Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Miscellaneous podcast. I'm Alex Barnard, the Miscellany News' audio editor. This week, Izzy and Mac sit down with guest reporter Olivia Diallo and BSU representative Serato Ali to go over two topics that received extensive coverage in the MISC over the past few days. The protests of a talk by Zionist activist Hen Mazig by students for Justice in Palestine, and the court case of 16-year-old Jamelia Barnett and 12-year-old Julissa Dawkins, two Poughkeepsie students whose experience with local police brutality this past March sparked controversy. Um, here with Mac and Olivia. How's it going, guys? <laughs> hey, Izzy, how are you? Hey, Izzy. I'm good. How are you guys? I'm good. Um, so I guess we're ready just kind of to dive into yeah. our top stories Let's for this week. Um, so as many people on campus know, um, our news cycle has been pretty dominated by a protest that occurred on campus this past week of a uh, voice uh, rally, voice uh, Vassar. Olivia, how would you, I always forget that acronym, what is it again? Vassar Organizing Israel Conversations Effectively. Yes, and they were a group that brought a uh, Zionist activist, Hen Mazing, to campus, and students um, from Vassar interrupted the lecture, and uh, we've kind of been facing the uh, shock of that ever since on campus. It's been the top story in our news cycle, and at the forefront of this has been our reporter, Olivia Diallo. So uh, thanks for coming on the show, Olivia, first of all. Thanks for having me. And I think um, everyone out there kind of just want to maybe uh, clear up the exact details of what exactly happened in the story. So maybe you can start by telling me kind of a rundown of the events and uh, what you saw on the ground with your reporting. Yeah, sure. Um, so I attended the event um, with one of our photographers, Grace. Um, we got to the event a few minutes early because we had heard that there was going to be a protest of the speaker. Uh, and as we arrived, maybe around 20 minutes before the event started, uh, we saw students from SJP starting to gather with signs. Um, they played Palestinian music. They were handing out flyers um, that specifically uh, were aimed at helping attendees understand, you know, what the what the intention of protesting um, Hen Mazik was. Um, students engaged kind of with Hen Mazik and uh, Ron Katz, who is his associate uh, from the Tel Aviv Institute. Ron Katz is actually president of the Tel Aviv Institute. Um, we're engaging with students, um, and then we kind of this is something that has also been kind of the subject of conversation is that um, Ron Katz was observed to be filming the students who were present um, in their interaction with uh, Hen Mazik. Um, shortly thereafter, uh, everybody entered, all the attendees entered the um, auditorium. I was able to speak with um, Ms. Mazik briefly before uh, the event. Um, and during the event, uh, after first few minutes of speaking, um, the chants of the students from SJP could be heard from outside of um, the venue, which was Iraqi Auditorium 300. So um, the chanting went on for six to seven minutes. Um, it was audible, although the students stayed outside and didn't make any attempts to enter the building. Um, Mazik felt that uh, he could not speak. It was difficult to hear him over the um, chanting. In particular, with the phrasing of some of the chanting, I think particularly from the river to the sea, was taken to uh, be highly offensive to Mazik and others in the audience. Um, and Mazik went on to talk for more than an hour about specifically his identity as a um, Mizrahi Jewish person of Tunisian and uh, Iranian descent. Um, sorry, 
Yeah, and um, yeah, it was it was interesting as other facets of his identity mm-hmm. kind of uh, were brought into that conversation. I'm sorry, Iraqi descent, not Iranian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so we started, to, we, uh, he spoke briefly about his service in the IDF. Um, he spoke about his experience as a, as a um, gay person in Israel, and as, as well as um, specifically in reference to his IDF service. Um, he talked about his racial identity a lot, because that was the focus of the talk. It was titled Forgotten Refugees, um, speaking specifically about that Mizrahi Jewish population, which it, as he described, is the, minor, uh, the majority of um, Israeli Jewish people. Um, and after the event, uh, everybody dispersed. The students had, had left right after their chatting and chanting who were outside, the SGP students. Um, so there was no like further disruption after the event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think one of the main points of contention, which is within this story, is that exact chant that was uh, given interrupting a lecture from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe it would be great if you could kind of unpack the contention around that term, uh, why people within the lecture found that as offensive and, um, you know, maybe where the other side is coming from as well. Right. Um, so um, attendees, especially from Voice that I spoke to, as well as um, Azik himself, um, described the statement as anti-Semitic, um, there seems to be uh, the unequivocacy between the statement and the destruction um, of the state of Israel. Um, as the state had, uh, statement had been used by Hamas in the past, um, they found it to be very charged kind of in that way. Um, so the what was understood, I guess, by members, um, by attendees and, and Mazik when I spoke to them was that um, the call for uh, the end to the state of Israel is uh, considered to be anti-Semitic by um, what they claim to be the majority of, of Jewish people. That was the way it was asserted to me. Um, so there definitely was um, in the room like a palpable kind of feeling of discomfort um, when that phrase was was used. Um, the SJP students who I spoke to kind of uh, had, a, had a much different take on the usage of the phrase. Um, they said that uh, they claimed actually um, in their statement, which they um, released both on their Facebook page and to us, um, that the phrase is a subversion um, of uh, a phrase used at um, at when like when at the very beginning of the Israeli state when it was first conceived, um, that the borders of the state would be from the river to the sea. So um, Palestinian displaced and dispossessed Palestinians kind of subverted this phrase and used it as a chant. Um, and so kind of the issue becomes, you know, who decides what is anti-Semitic? Um, also, uh, what, how much can the usage of the phrase by different groups be attributed to like the power that it, it had in that space? Um, there's kind of a lot of unknowns there. Yeah. yeah, definitely some blurred lines here. And um, I guess speaking more to the protesters, I understand the protesters did not want to have their faces or identities shown within our reporting or in the video we have published uh, post-protest. So I think maybe it'd be great if you could kind of tell us a little bit about um, Ron Katz and the Tel Aviv Institute and some concerns the uh, protesters had about going on the record. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I was present and did see um, an interaction between 
um, and Mazik and these, these students um, and Ron Katz kind of holding a mobile device like very low. Um, I'm not sure if he was recording or not. Um, I did hear, uh, over here I'm speaking with some um, ambassador administration afterwards saying, you know, there are some concerns, students feel that they were being filmed and, and he was asking, you know, what is, uh, is it not our right, just like it's the right of the press to, to film these students. Um, so I'm not, we're not really sure what footage was taken, uh, if it was photos or videos, um, who w would be implicated in that. Um, students that I spoke to who believe that they were recorded uh, are afraid. Um, that was kind of the most common sentiment um, because of uh, specifically re referencing, they specifically referenced a website called Canary Mission, um, which is a website of which um, you know, in, in identifying uh, information for students who participate in um, what is considered to be um, anti-Israel, anti-Semitic activity are, are posted. Um, and that was something that was about which these students expressed like great concern. Um, so far, to my knowledge, nothing has been posted, um, but there's still definitely that concern among the students, yeah. Yeah, there is this large concern <clears throat> largely around doxing and um, how once you are on the Canarian mission site, um, your profile does live uh, there forever mm -hmm. without a public denunciation, I believe, of your protesting actions. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of want to know um, where exactly the administration folds into this story. Right. Um, was there a statement afterwards by the college and, you know, how is blame potentially being shifted to them for the incidents that unfolded? Like, what, do you, what would you have to say about that? So um, our president, Elizabeth Bradley, did release a statement um, that evening um, in which uh, the issue of uh, repression of speech was addressed. Um, the issue of recording was not, but uh, we reached out to Bradley, for, Elizabeth, um, President Bradley for a statement, and uh, she did say that um, she condemns any kind of recording of students in that manner, especially against uh, their will, um, and that that might have been an attempt to like exploit our students. Um, there's also kind of the issue of um, whether what what disruption like constitutes in this case um, was Masih prevented from speaking? He feels very strongly that he was, and that was uh, tethered also to his identity as a um, what he describes as a, a queer Jewish person of color. Um, so, uh, administrative response. I think within. Uh, within the auditorium at the time of the speech um, was to step outside, kind of talk to the SGP protesters, um, encourage them to quiet down, but nobody was um, forcibly removed from the premises. They, the students left themselves after the chant. Um, as far as I know, there has been no administrative contact with two SGP since the incident. I know that before the incident, they were sent kind of a list of, of rules um, about you know what kind of modes of protest were acceptable. Um, they don't believe that they violated any of those those rules, um, but uh, President Bradley's kind of statement leads us to believe that perhaps the administration m might uh, look at it that way. I know there's also a BSA, um, Bachelor Student um, 
Association uh, inquiry happening into the event. So we'll see what happens with that. Mm. Um, are, at this time, are you clear on what exactly these protocols are and how they were potentially broken in this situation? Right. So I think probably the major, the protocol that uh, is in question here um, is uh, one of disruption that prevents a speaker from speaking interruption. Um, uh, that is something that the faculty expressed to um, SJP that Students for Justice for Palestine was not um, an acceptable mode of protest. Um, SJP student, uh, members who I spoke to um, said, you kind of countered that with, well, he was still able to speak over us, um, and he was able to continue to speak after we had, had left. So um, it will be interesting to see um, how that kind of conversation proceeds, especially when Masik himself feels very strongly that um, he was prevented from speaking, and in fact, uh, that um, the direction kind of of his of his lecture uh, changed in response um, to that chanting as well. So, mm -hmm. um, I think an interesting kind of fourth party, if you will, in this situation is the many people of social media, mm -hmm. and um, kind of in the wake of um, the news coming out and our coverage, our video coverage specifically of this event, um, we've been seeing a lot of comments from alumni. We've seen. Um, the story being picked up uh, by Zionists and used for certain purposes. Um, maybe you can kind of run down what exactly the reaction online has been. Right. So um, I did see two pieces published by um, the Jewish Journal and Jerusalem Post um, on this issue specifically. On this issue specifically, um, and also I've been kind of been keeping. Um, finger on the pulse as far as uh, what the social media response has been. Um, as he has been uh, posting continuously since the incident um, and of about uh, what had occurred in reference to it, I, I see them receiving a lot of um, support um, post-incident. Uh, I was just checking actually out his Twitter today and it seems that um, there was a he did also spoke to students at New Haven University and was kind of comparing those experiences, saying that the experience at Vassar was, um, and he told me like the worst experience he's ever had. He's he will never return to our campus. So um, definitely, uh, there's a very strong response to the incident, um, and a lot of that has to do with the feeling that uh, what was allowed to occur, um, but what occurred in. What the students from SJP did and the administrative response um, both uh, worked to facilitate anti-Semitism. Those are kind of the, the claims that are made, and a lot of questioning of whether Jewish uh, students should feel welcome at this at this college. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, I think we kind of unpacked a lot. I'm not going to ask you kind of to <laughs> sit here and explain the entire Israel-Palestine conflict. None of us have enough time for that on the air right now. But um. I feel like you kind of covered the basis of all your story, unless, um, are there other sources or other information you feel that's kind of vital for people to know at this time? Um, I would definitely say um, both the statements released by Voice and SGP, I think, are important for us to be cognizant of as a student body. Um, I also reached out to, uh, I also reached out to um, administrative staff that was present during the event to see um, what measures were taken um, during the protest um, 
not only in terms of uh, ensuring that protocols were followed, but also in terms of protecting students who might have been recorded. Um, so that's something really to keep an eye on, you know, what are our rights on campus as far as uh, being recorded um, without consent, um, especially at, uh, at, a, uh, at an event that was for students and faculty only. Um, so does that constitute a private event? What are, you know, what are the repercussions for that kind of recording if it should occur? What are precautions are we taking against it? I would kind of encourage us to all be a little bit more <laughs> aware of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a lot of blurred lines here and what exactly is practice, especially as it comes to how we go forward journalistically in our reporting. And I think mm -hmm. kind of an interesting parallel, maybe not parallel, if you will, but um, the situation currently occurring at Northwestern where um, they apologized, the student newspaper had apologized for some of their coverage of a student protest that showed students' faces. Mm -hmm. So I think we're kind of living in this um, heightened time of sensibilities and how we can go about doing um, journal uh, journalism, the responsibility of journalism, um, without also balancing the moral obligations we have as a public entity. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of um, relates to your reporting in many ways. So. Um, I think um, we're in the right place, and I'm excited to see uh, what you learn, more you learn moving forward. So I thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you both of you for coming on the show. Um, really thoughtful questions and really thoughtful responses. Um, I guess at this point, um, we can welcome Ons Reda, um, who is um, a representative from the BSU. Um, Another really important um, article that was written this week was about um, uh, a court case with um, two Poughkeepsie students, um, Jamelia Barnett and Alyssa Dawkins, um, who were um, essentially attacked by the Poughkeepsie police um, during a school fight. They were. Um, present and helping, and then the police, for some reason, believed that they are part of it and threw them to the ground and um, detained them for a really long time without water or um, any type of, like, bathroom breaks or any type of, um, like, way for them to, like, reach out to their family members, um, which was really scary. And... Um, Recently, in the, the Poughkeepsie courts, um, they had a, um, there was a court date to see if they could drop their, drop the charges against, um, against them for juvenile delinquency, um, which is pretty wild, but it got delayed. Um, the actual decision got delayed. And um, here at Vassar, um, the Black Student Union um, put together an event to discuss what happened and um, to further support what's been going on in um, the Poughkeepsie community around this issue. Um, so yeah, I just want to welcome Sreda. Um Can you tell me a little bit about your involvement with the event um, and any other information that mm -hmm. I've left out in that little synopsis? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, thank you for um, welcoming, to the sh welcoming me to the show. Um, in terms of any other information, I think something that's really important is the the support that happened um, at the rally, the amount of people who showed up, mm -hmm. um, the conviction that people had to um, staying and being present. Um, 
It definitely, it definitely showed that this is not acceptable. It will never be acceptable, and people are here to um, hold the police accountable, hold mm -hmm. the courts accountable. Um, so I think that was the most important aspect for me, was making sure that these two young girls had support, this mother had support, um, because in these moments, it's so easy to feel really alienated when you don't have a system of support. Um, so the rally, which began around 1, 1 p.m., um, started out right in front of the court. Um, it lasted until about 1.45, maybe 1.50. Um, there was, I, I don't know, I'm going to estimate, <laughs> but there was, I think, over 40, 50 people um, present. Um, it was clear that people were showing interest, even who didn't, people who didn't even know what was going on. There was honks from cars passing by in support. There was people who were walking by who stopped to ask what was going on, and people who just even joined after hearing what it, what like what was going on. So um, yeah, I think that was a really important aspect. Mm -hmm. Great. And can you tell me a little bit about the event on campus to talk about this more? Yes, um, so there was an event about two weeks ago, um, basically just to raise awareness and mm -hmm. also to um, get together different parts of the Poughkeepsie community to rally in support of um, these two young girls. So in this um, event, there was people from Vassar, there was people from Marist, there was people from Engine, um, there was just people who are part of this community who heard about what was going on and wanted to be present. Um, so this event was just really just to raise awareness. Um, they, the two young girls just sort of shared their stories. Mm -hmm. um, Jalissa and Jamelia were being really vulnerable and honest about what happened. and. Um, that sort of was all that it was, was just a moment of like, we're here for you and we support you as we hear about their stories. And um, just like, I guess, vow to be there. Yeah, I think that was a very powerful moment. Um, the fact you're able to bring them on campus and kind of forge an even larger community around them. Um, but obviously these girls um, and the lawsuit kind of has an upward track from here. Mm -hmm. So maybe you could speak to a little bit about where the case stands now and the suit and the countersuit uh, actually filed and what exactly that means. Mm -hmm. So um, right now after the court case like last week, <laughs> um, Jalissa and Jamelia are currently like off probation, but um, Jalissa is still being like watched in essence um, to make like she isn't totally off probation, but she's being like watched to make sure that she can be in terms of um, a lot of the the, the evidence that was brought up in the court was about like her grades, her missing um, like school, a couple days of school, um, etc. Which I guess was their um, their stance that she shouldn't be off of probation because of those things that they um, classified as delinquency, even though it's just honestly normal high school things. Um, so that's where it stands now. There's another court trial I think December 3rd I'm not totally sure but mm -hmm. sometime in December um, I'm not totally sure what that one is about because I don't honestly understand a lot of the court jargon mm -hmm. but um, I hope it's just to like hopefully close this case and like to clear them of anything in their um, 
just like their cases. Um, what do you think um, overall? What does like justice look like in this situation? Um, I think justice. The first, I think the first level of justice, obviously, is getting their names cleared because apparent like if if they're if they weren't cleared of probation and et cetera, like they would have like a case and um, just shown in. Um, the like community uh, event that happened is that that is something the Poughkeepsie City Police uses against um, black children to like get them into juvie and to just obviously um, the system, the court system. Um, so I think that's the first level. And then this is obviously a, a deeper and more difficult um means of justice, but holding the police officers involved accountable, holding the entire, and this is the final case, but holding the entire um, department like mm -hmm. accountable because they were, they were tampering with evidence. They were doing things that, that is not okay in any sense. And, um, you, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of rhetoric of like the bad apple and this batch of really good apples. And I personally don't stand by that. I will not say this is BSU's, but this is mine. Mm -hmm. um, I don't I don't think that's the case. I think this is there is a sort of leverage that these officers have where they're where they're not just they're not individually doing um, like horrid actions. Mm -hmm. They're being supported by these infrastructures that allow them to get away with these actions. So I think justice means holding those individual police officers accountable now you know in the as soon as possible because they're out there they they I don't know what they're doing I don't know how they're harming other people who aren't obviously getting as much visible coverage and maybe don't have the means to have that visibility um, and then the second part is holding the entire department accountable what does it mean for them to be more accountable to me means I don't know maybe having like cameras, those body cam situations, because they were tampering with evidence that would be very useful um, of evidence of brutality. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of corruption in the department. Um, so I think that for me is justice. And another essence is also like taking care of Jalissa and Jamelia. Um, you know, they have said that they experience like bouts of depression they have gone through a really really horrendous event and it's important for all of us to stand with them and to show that we care for them and we to be tender with them and i think that's another form of justice is like making sure that they are able to heal from this incident to go on in their lives and to be able to say like this happened to me but I've had support and I have had community and love and this hasn't hindered me from anything else. Mm -hmm. um, how does um, the BSU or just the Vassar community in general, um, what are you guys planning to offer to begin on that path of support and, um, you know, kind of support these girls moving forward and, you know, working towards that ju that sense of justice? Mm. Um, um, just in terms of like the very logistical like courts and all of that our stance right now is just to get as much awareness out there to get as many people to show out to get as many people to know about this um outside of just the scope of this college and like neighboring colleges but like to get more people involved that are who just live here who live in poughkeepsie city poughkeepsie town arlington etc um so that's our first step our second is i 
I want to say finding ways to use Vassar's resources and Vassar's like expansive like knowledges to um, just support these communities that don't have those like certain resources. Um, and then in terms of just being a community for Jalissa and Jamelia and Melissa is just like forming like <laughs> bonds with them on a just human level, you know, like um, planning to take them out to eat and just like things like that where it's just like um, just a reassurance of their humanity mm-hmm. and their and they're just like their being like you're here. We acknowledge you. We care about you. Um, but like beyond just a superficial level. Like, yes, we want to organize, we want to mobilize, but we also just want to laugh and we want to have moments of joy and just moments of like, wow, me too. Um, So I think that's what we're trying to cultivate. Yeah, great. I think that's a good way to um, tend it on. And I think uh, speaking to that awareness, like the first step is um, you're speaking to the entire Poughkeepsie community right now mm-hmm. over the airways. And I think that um, speaks to power within itself. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything else you would like to say to, you know, just um, um, our readership or the larger mm-hmm. Poughkeepsie community while we're still here? Yes, I'd love to say that join us <laughs> join us yes. right now. Join us in our in, in this fight because it is a fight like it might not seem super, super difficult right now, but it will be. It will be. Um, so join us and be excited. Bring that energy. Um, we want people to, to just mobilize, to be there at future rallies, to be there um, for Jalissa, Jamelia, and Melissa. Um, so I think that's what I want to say is join us. Great. So on that note, Izzy, do you have um, anything else uh, you think we should add? Um, no, I just wanted to say that, or just kind of compliment your, um, yeah, of course, your thoughtful response and, um, your explanation of like what you thought justice would look like in this case. It was very human and, um, great that you had thought about it so much. And I hope that, um, those different components of that activism comes through as you guys mm-hmm. keep working um, mm-hmm. with the family and on larger issues of police brutality and mm-hmm. the Poughkeepsie community. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's kind of where we need to end today. Um, Wait, can I get a can I get a quick yeah, one in? Um, yeah. <laughs> Vassar, Vassar Tiny Desk, uh, Mark Indigo is a first year um, artist on Spotify. He kind of does like lo-fi sounds type things. He has over five hundred thousand uh, streams on Spotify, and he um, did our Tiny Desk performance this week. And that video is coming out later today, so uh, definitely look out for that. And we'll have more coverage of. Of course, um, Jamelia and Jalissa's case and the um, SJP uh, protest situation and the continued response to that in the um, upcoming days and in the near future. So uh, stay tuned for more coverage. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All right. And that was um, the More Than Miscellaneous talk show. This is 91.3 WVKR FM Poughkeepsie. See you next week.